Now, on the forum this morning, we're going to talk about spokespersons. Uh, They've been in the news, and uh, I think when the spokesperson has been in the news for three days running, uh, trending in the top ten, then serious questions obviously need to be asked. So... As far as we understand, um, the spokespeople are there um, to speak on behalf of uh, the government and uh, various departments that are employed to ensure that uh, public announcements are made uh, in the most appropriate fashion, one would hope, and uh, to maximize the impact of favorable message, uh, messages and to minimize the impact of unfavorable ones. So on the program this morning, we want to understand more about the role that these people play. And of course, there's also the public's expectations of what the spokesperson is meant to do and whether those are being met or um, is the public's perception of what the spokesperson's role is a skewed one. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Chris Vick uh, spent many years in government uh, communications environment and uh, the uh, spin doctor guru. He is in our studio this morning. Chris, uh, thanks for coming through. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. And then um, Aubrey Machikli is a political analyst and uh, yeah, also once upon a time uh, a government spokesperson. Good morning, Aubrey. Good morning, Sakina, and uh, thank you. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how's it, bro? Uh, Grand, how's it? Good. So, so what's the job of a sp- of um, spokesperson, Chris? Is it to be a spin doctor? Uh, I think there's a naive public perception, which is that the role of a political spin doctor or communicator is to be transparent, to uh, help journalists get stories, to help the public understand. Uh, that's a complete myth. And, it, and I, don't, I don't say that just from watching Olivia Pope and people like that. The reality of the seven years I spent in government is your job is one thing. It's to promote and protect your political principle. You promote your political principle, if it's a minister or an MEC or a premier, by telling the good news, and you protect your political principle by trying to sidestep or not deal with the negative stuff. So you're there to essentially protect the reputation of your principle. I think the difficulty that we're facing at the moment is the relationship between the political communicators and the media is becoming as tense as the relationship between government as a whole or the ANC as the ruling party. So the, the spokespersons are caught in the middle of an ANC that is increasingly under attack for what it does, government which is not handling the social grants issue well at all generally, and probably a minister who feels very embattled. Uh, She didn't look confident at all uh, on on Sunday morning, nor did her spokesperson. So when you're in a a, a situation of crisis, um, your job is really to manage it in a way that protects your political principle. That's the key issue right now. And I think that's where the public possibly gets frustrated because they think and expect that the role of the spokesperson is to explain, make the minister accessible, which also doesn't happen. Your job, when I I was a a spokesperson or an advisor, you're very selective about where you take your political principle. You don't take your political principle into ambush situations, which is what press conferences can be. You don't take them to media who you know are going to be overtly hostile. It's a strategy. It's it's not just whatever comes in. You just deal with that and, and follow the diary. Very different, very strategic, very tactical. And here we have a public that expects answers uh, at the same time, uh, not only from the political principles, but uh, from the spokesperson as well. And this uh, would seem the reason why people are 
at the moment, you know, uh, very dissatisfied with what they view as uh, the behavior, the errant and unacceptable behavior of uh, spokespersons currently. Uh, Aubrey, well, are they being well, unrealistic? Well, Sakina, the first thing we want to remember is that you have departmental spokespersons mm-hmm. and spokespersons who, be, who, who speak on behalf of the political principle. Uh, for instance, um, an MEC or a minister. And in many cases, there is an attempt to draw a clear line between the department and the ministry and therefore between the departmental spokesperson and the spokesperson of uh, the minister or MEC. I suppose today we are focusing our attention on the spokesperson of the political principle. And therefore, another thing we must bear in mind is the fact that what they engage in is political communication. But we must not make the mistake of thinking that departmental spokespersons do not engage in political uh, communication. So essentially, what both uh, departmental and ministerial spokespersons do is an exercise in political communication. And if we accept that, another thing we we need to accept is the fact that spokespeople, before they um, implement a communication strategy, um, before they go into tactical situations about what to communicate and how to communicate it, must bear in mind that the first thing to consider is the political environment in which the communication is to take place. And if you take into account the political environment at the moment, it's an environment which is becoming increasingly uh, hostile towards certain ANC politicians inside and outside government. It's a political environment which is increasingly unfriendly uh, towards the ANC government. It is also a political environment which at certain moments will be sharply hostile or sharply unfriendly towards particular uh, politicians or particular ministers. In this case, of course, we are dealing with the case of Social Development Minister uh, Batabile Zamini. Uh, We have also dealt with uh, situations where the antipathy towards the president has become a communication challenge for those who communicate on his behalf. But broadly speaking, the ANC and the government are both facing a communication challenge. Now, of course, there is a difference, as Chris was saying, between what government spokespersons should do and what in most cases they end up doing. Now, what they should do, uh, and I always insisted, on this when I was a government spokesperson, is to remember that the best form of communication is effective delivery. But they must also remember that in the absence of uh, effective delivery or when there is uncertainty, as is the case now, we have uncertainty about whether on the 1st of April, uh, an April Fool's joke will play itself out on their grand beneficiaries. 
they must remember that that uncertainty or a lack of delivery or a lack of effective delivery gives meaning to political communication in that particular political environment. So it's not only what the political um, uh, organization or a government or government spokesperson wants to communicate that is uh, important. What is important also is what the environment is communicating to the government and the government spokespeople. And the manner in which they communicate must be sensitive to that environment. And if you look at some of the cases we'll be talking about today, there has been a lack of sensitivity on the part of the government spokesperson in question to the political environment in which they they communicate. But wouldn't that be, as Chris had indicated earlier, um, you know, protecting their political principle? And in doing so, is it a matter of uh, anything goes, all's fair in love and war, Chris? You know, I think if you analyze that press conference in particular as an example of what you're talking about, personally, I don't get the sense the minister wanted to do that press conference. Remember she had a meeting with the president and the minister of finance the day before, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an instruction that you must go, go out there and reassure the public of what is going on. So the minister goes in reluctant. The spokesperson goes in probably also reluctant. Organizing a press conference at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning is not an easy task. And you know that you're going to face a hostile media. So, and, and there's all this sort of the, the small and younger skeletons around this deal which make it an even harder issue to communicate. So you go in reluctant, you go in defensive, you're facing a hostile media. I mean, it's a no-brainer. There's no way that you can go in there with that kind of attitude and win people over. You can try and protect the image and reputation of your principal. But when you're standing on shaky ground, as Aubrey said, delivery, even, even on the 1st of April, is an issue. But now there's a lack of faith in this process, and not just among white journalists, as the minister seems to think. There's a real concern about this issue. So to go in in that environment and think you can walk your way through three minutes of reading a speech which is out of date, doesn't contain accurate information, and then when journalists start to ask questions, you get defensive, it's a recipe for disaster. And, and, and I think that's problem number one. Problem number two is when it becomes an issue, when, when the, the, the conversation starts to build up around how that press conference went, the, the, the minister spokesperson goes on 702 and tries to box clever. I mean, I think she has a right to speak whatever language, official language she wants to. But I think that there's a, there's a sort of norm around if you're on an English language radio station, that is the language that you should speak. It was a clever deflection short-term deflection, in the same way that the press conference was a bit of a deflection, because now we're sitting here talking about how to communicate around social growth, mm. when the real issue is, are they going to get paid? How many skeletons are there around CPS and the, and, the, and the service providers? What is the constitutionality of what the department is doing? Those are the real issues we should be talking about. So to some extent, they've been successful in creating a sideshow, but I think the net effect of that, further down the line, increased public suspicion, increased hostility among media, and, and, and people generally not taking this minister seriously. You know, she gets lampooned all the time um, about how she conducts herself and, and, and these allegations of drinking, etc. And, and, you know, people can make those allegations and the ministry can deny it, but what you've got now is a real a combined credibility crisis. So it's not just an issue crisis around how the minister's handling it. There's a credibility crisis around... 
do we believe her? Can we believe her anymore? And, and, and you know as well as I do, in the media environment, as soon as people see a gap, they take advantage of that. So people who don't approve of how the minister's dealing with things are, are going to go for her. People who have information are going to start leaking that information. So you create this very vicious cycle by that mismanagement at the beginning. But there's an important point which, which Aubrey made, which I want to sort of pick up on, which is, which is the challenge, the major challenge here, I think, is not a communications challenge. It's a knock-on effect of a political crisis that has started to develop. If the department and the minister had handled this issue properly, administratively, if they'd gone to parliament, if they'd done contracts the right way, if they dealt with the constitutional court with respect, then you don't have the scale of the communications crisis that you have at the moment. And that's something that often people say, ah, this communications person is messing up. It's very difficult um, to clean up when the political environment in which you're working and decision-making process is a recipe for disaster. doesn't mean I condone or have sympathy for the spokesperson, but I think we must recognize it's very difficult, very difficult to polish something as damaged mm. as this process. Not a great assessment there uh, for that particular spokesperson, but let's hear what the president had to say about this. They should not talk in public and answer questions uh, they must work on what we have agreed they need to work on and pay people on the date. Aubrey, is the president right there? No, I, do, I, I don't agree with the president. Um, but, but before I come to that, um, I mean, being a government spokesperson is not about putting lipstick um, on a pig <laughs> uh, with the hope that the pig will become something else. It doesn't matter how expensive the, 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 the lipstick is. The color doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bright the lipstick is. The pig will remain the pig, a pig. Um, when it comes to the president, I, I suspect that if I were a minister, I would be terribly confused by, by what the president is saying. Because as Chris was saying, the fact that uh, Minister Batabile Lamini uh, hosted a press conference on a Sunday at 9 in the morning, does suggest that she was under some pressure to hold that press conference. And if we are correct, uh, it may also be correct to assume that the pressure may have come from the top. And the day after that, uh, ministers get told that they must not uh, communicate. Now, of course, if you don't communicate in an environment in which there is uncertainty about whether grants will be paid out on the 1st of uh, um, April, you are creating room, you are creating gaps for alternative forms of communication, for alternative content to occupy the space and the gap that uh, you have created. Um, And therefore, if you want to be benign in your interpretation of what the president is saying, the president is saying the best way to communicate is to deliver on the first um, of April. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be as benign, the president is being cynical in what he is, he is saying, and therefore what he is saying is terribly unhelpful and ignores the relationship between those who govern and those who are governed. 
And it ignores the fact that those who govern, govern on behalf, with the consent of those who are governed. And therefore, on a continuous basis, the government must communicate to those who are governed. Now, of course, if you go back to the Freedom Charter, the relationship is different. Those who govern are the people, not the government. So if, if we take our cue from the Freedom Charter, when it says the people shall govern, it is therefore not the government that governs. It is the people who govern. And therefore the government on a continuous basis must account to the people. And you can't account to the people if you are to follow the president's example. Well, love to hear your views as well. 0891-104-208. I see we have on the line um, Mr. Donald Dipoko, who is a GCIS uh, Director General. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. So I'm sure you've heard what both Chris and Aubrey have to say. So what's the official position here? Akina, thank you. Um, I've had a chance to listen to both arguments, and I find them quite compelling. But I I, I think... uh, it's also an opportunity for us to reflect more broadly on what is the role of government communication. Um, it's a really important conversation, uh, and I think South Africans need to you know, not only participate, but have a sense of what it is that we, we do from day to day. So our initial perspective, obviously, is that information is a public good. It's essential for democracies to work, and the fundamental truth of it is that the information that government communicators put out there has to be trustworthy, it's going to be verifiable, because it informs uh, policy, uh, it informs how South Africans, citizens, I think, globally, um, have access to, to information. So in our context, uh, where our constitution has actually embedded the, the right to access to information, uh, we have an added responsibility to make sure that when we do communicate, you know, we are quite, uh, we, we are presenting coherent uh, and honest arguments to the public so they can make their own decisions um, about government's performance more generally, um, but also it's about ensuring that they are empowered to participate in, in democracy. If I could sum it up, there's really three areas uh, that, that we assess. Government communicators are supposed to inform citizens about the work of government. So our programs are are geared towards that, whether it's uh, public participation through individual programs uh, or we're doing uh, media briefings, we write statements. Those kind of communications are about ensuring that we are, are making information accessible. The second area that we look at is around policy advocacy. Uh, and here what we're trying to do is to not only focus on educating the public on how to uh, access uh, government services, but we also focus on uh, the regulatory environment. Um, so, so what is required to comply and so on, because it's, it's critical for ensuring that there's certainty. Uh, and in many instances, the areas that government regulates have an uh, economic impact. The third area that, that, that's important, and, and I heard Obi touch on this a little bit, uh, around engaging citizens. You know, uh, the, the idea of consultation, the idea of participation. We, we understand that we are, we are custodians of, of the Constitution. We, our mandate actually derives from the people, so it is a government of the people. 
uh, which implies that we have to constantly be listening, uh, taking input, feedback, and those then direct the policy development uh, and the work that we do from, from day to day. So the engagement with the public are important, uh, and, and communicators are very much at the front line because they're supposed to be listening and, and translating uh, what they hear into the visual department so that they can shape uh, the work of those departments. Now, um, who actually gets to assess this performance based on the criteria that you've outlined? So, we've, we've over time, we've created the various uh, systems that provide an assessment of uh, individual um, communicators, the sense of individual campaigns, both through research. Um, so we conduct studies three times a year, and we uh, look at the program of action of government, and we make an assessment of whether or not we are actually meeting um, uh, the program of action. We do media analysis to understand whether the communication has been effective. We have a good sense of which mediums uh, we are doing well in, which mediums we are underperforming in. Uh, we uh, actually, in the face-to-face communications that we do uh, through the even Bigger program, we collate information from those interactions with the public. Um, and usually they, they tend to be uh, formulated as uh, service requests. So we're capturing those service requests. And, and, of course, shows such as this one give us important feedback on our work. That's very interesting, and I'd love to hear what our listeners' take is on that. Um, and now that you understand, you know, some of the criteria against which government spokespeople will be assessed, uh, what do you make of their performance uh, thus far? It could be anyone. Uh, let's not uh, pick on Lumka. It's not pick on Lumka Day. Uh, we're talking about uh, government communicators in general. Chris? I, I hear you about not picking on Lumka, but I, if I could pick on the acting DG, I mean, it sounds like he's reading a manual for government communications in the perfect world. And and this is not the perfect world. This is the biggest credibility crisis this government has faced since Nkandla. It's the biggest potential social crisis that government has ever faced. You can't be reading textbooks on how to communicate in this environment. The media is at your door. Soon the poor are going to be at government's door because government is not dealing with this issue properly. You have to be tactical. You have to be different. You have to convince the public. I mean, he he talks about um, being trustworthy and verifiable. Where's the trustworthiness in the way the department is communicating now? Where is the verifiability? I mean, there's so many clouds around this deal. My question is, what is GCIS doing about okay. making sure that government communicates in this situation? Let's pause right there and get news headlines from Nomsa Mdluli. Thanks, Sakina. Human rights organization Black Sash says it's determined to ensure that the Constitutional Court reinstates its oversight role in overseeing that social security agency SASA lawfully pays out social grants. The organization will be in court next week, Wednesday, to challenge SASA over the uncertainty surrounding the distribution of social grants. Chairperson of Parliament's ad hoc committee probing the affairs of the SABC, Vincent Smith, says there's an urgent need for the resolution of leadership problems at the public broadcaster. The committee's final report will today be up for discussion in the National Assembly. 
And a South African man and his Ukrainian girlfriend have been arrested in Abu Dhabi after the woman fell pregnant after wet, out of wedlock. Rather, The couple were on holiday in the Arab Emirates when the woman fell and went to a doctor for a checkup. The doctor then alerted authorities when he discovered that the woman was pregnant but not married. I'll have more details at nine. Traffic on SAFM, your trusted guide to the road ahead. Uh, it is starting to ease on the N1 out of Centurion down to Midrand after an earlier crash after New Road, uh, but there's still traffic between Brockfontein Interchange and the New Road exit. There's a big spillover onto the R101, the old Joburg Road from Centurion uh, down into Midrand. Olifants Fontaine remaining heavy as you come across from Blue Hills uh, towards that highway on-ramp and uh, motorists diverting, I guess, in bigger numbers down the R55 uh, to avoid that. There is some debris uh, to leave no Bosch slowing you up and then uh, really the run from Blue Hills down into Kailami remains uh, heavily backed up. Uh, Bongwe from North Riding, well, from sort of Sharon Lee, North Old Area, very heavy coming into Stratham Park this morning. Uh, Jan Smuts out of Ramberg to Craig Hall's Heavy and Republic Road through uh, non-working traffic lights at uh, Jan Smuts on Republic Road through to William Nicholas, still quite heavy as well. And the Boysons Road uh, coming up from Boysons into Selby, very uh, big queues there as well. Uh, Durban, a collision on the N2 this morning. There's been a couple of them, uh, one, down by, uh, one down by Chatsworth, another by Spaghetti Junction. It just means a little bit of traffic still backing up uh, from Chatsworth as you move through towards the M7. The M7 has some big crash delays from North Dean, uh, North uh, Park area coming out of uh, Pinetown, uh, from North Dean around to the uh, Queensborough exit uh, crash there, causing those delays if you're bluff-bound this morning. Uh, Cape Town still a lot of pressure and traffic on the N7 North out of Goodwood to Bosmansdown Road. A lot of traffic still on Marine Drive this morning from Racecourse Road at Milnerton all the way through towards the uh, N1 and uh, the stop-go controls in at Clavelli now between St. James, Musenberg and Fishhook. Uh, that's probably about a 10 to 15 minute wait and you'll experience that pretty much all day. Uh, the N2 into Port Elizabeth, some roadworks as you come down in towards the M4 split. Traffic was busy this morning. It is starting to ease up. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. And the lines are open, 891 We're talking about the role of government communicators this morning, the spokespeople, and what they are supposed to do, and how are they faring uh, as opposed to the criteria that is set out for them, their uh, key performance areas, as it were. Are they doing well or not? Uh, the uh, the, the, the GCAIS uh, Director General uh, Donald DiPoco saying that they're supposed to inform um, the public about the work of government. They're supposed to do policy advocacy, engage with the citizens. Do you feel like uh, government spokespeople are doing that? Uh, let us hear your views. 891 Chris Vick, Aubrey Machikli, they with us here. And tons of messages coming through. We'll find a space to squeeze some of those in. Uh, but let's start uh, with Khojane uh, Madiba. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Fine, thank you. You know, uh, I love communications. You know, I'm, I, I used to be a communications officer in the municipality in Kronstadt, called Motaka Municipality for many years. I'm, I'm still in Motaka, but not in communication. You know, um, uh, we used to have, you know, uh, bad publicity. You remember there was a tragic saga in Fulgius Kron in Damiersberg, and recently during drought, you know, and there was so much of communication negativity that was going on. But, you know, what I have learned is that you must speak the truth. Mm-hmm. You must speak the truth. And when there is a problem, acknowledge that 
is indeed a problem. And more importantly, 